The hunt for a crime to impeach Trump continues, but things aren't looking so good for the Democrats. Um, let's do a deep dive on Syria. I think it's finally a time. Uh, it's finally a time to go with it. Uh, you know, and I'm going to bring something up real quick at the end of this because I got a feeling the Syria and the impeachment thing are going to take a while. But I, I just can't keep this story out. It seems like it'd be the perfect story uh, to end this podcast on. Our children are going to look back on us and just sigh. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbass Talking Politics. <laughs> Good evening. Hey, sorry guys, I didn't do the podcast yesterday like I had promised, but I couldn't get it ready. I mean, it was ready. I had the dialogue. It's actually recorded, but it just didn't sound right. So I want to change the music up since we're going to actually change a bunch of things up. This could be a little bit of a longer podcast. There's going to be, I might violate the Dave rule by a couple of minutes, but there's a lot to cover. And I kind of ignored some of this stuff. So I've been studying some things, and I think I understand what's going on. First things first, let's go over to this impeachment garbage. And I call it garbage because you can't call it an inquiry. It technically isn't. And it really isn't going well. Uh, It is not going well for the Democrats. And you can actually, you can see it by the way the Democrats are behaving. A few things they're doing. Um, Nancy Pelosi said Congress would not hold a vote, which... Doesn't make this an impeachment inquiry. So basically, this is a partisan witch hunt. So until they actually hold a vote on this, this is just investigation after investigation. Republicans are not allowed to call witnesses. Republicans are not allowed to interview anybody. So this is not an impeachment inquiry at all. Um, all... Uh, the hearings are being held behind closed doors, which doesn't make any sense. But what is doesn't make more sense is nothing is actually leaking. That's kind of interesting, and that tells me that things aren't going well. Because Adam Don't Give a Shift is running these hearings, and he leaks like a sieve. If you're not hearing anything come out into that into the open world from these hearings, it means things are not going well. As a matter of fact, every time you see a Republican leave one of these judiciary hearings, they've got big smiles on their faces and they're just shaking their heads as if they're laughing. So you can tell just by just by how Schiff and Pelosi are actually acting, um they really don't have too much. And the fact that she's not going to request a vote means... And Pelosi's not a dummy. I mean, she's annoying as sin. She can't keep her dentures in. But she's not a dummy. She's a good politician. It, it, she, They just really don't have anything right now. But there's one more, uh, there's one more little uh, detail that I forgot that really proves they have nothing. Um, they are now screaming for obstruction of justice. Remember, Trump sent them a letter, I think it was last week, basically saying he's not going to cooperate with a kangaroo court. They said, forget it. This is a partisan witch hunt, and he is not going to cooperate with any kangaroo kangaroo court. Of course, they see this as stonewalling. The Democrats see this as stonewalling, 
And the president basically said, you know, it's not really stonewalling if you're not really doing an inquiry. And since you haven't, they haven't had a vote, this is not an inquiry. And the reality is, if they did have the vote and President Trump said, I'm, no, I'm not going to cooperate with you, that's not stonewalling. At that point, the Democrats take it to court, the Trump team goes to court, and then the courts say what they can and can't do. And then if Trump defies a court order, then it's stonewalling. Here's the problem. There's no negotiation here. So Pelosi can't even take this to court. You got to have a vote. And they keep saying, well, there is absolutely no precedence. Yes, there is. There have been two, uh, there have been two impeachment inquiries in the last 50 years. And both impeachment inquiries had a vote to vote for the inquiry or not, inquiry or not. And she must really think she has absolutely nothing because she definitely has the votes for the inquiry. So that's going to be kind of interesting. So now we're going for obstruction of justice, even though there doesn't seem to be. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't seem like there's anything going on here. I mean, it just seems like it seems like Democrats just aren't doing anything. And this is going to get old quick. I mean, don't forget, this is moderately new. It's been a month old. But this is going to get old quick because the Democrats are doing nothing else in Congress. But um, with all the good news, with the Democrats acting crazy, unfortunately, it's the Trump administration that just keeps getting in its own way. Um, two of Rudy Giuliani's associates were arrested for campaign finance fraud. Uh, this involved payments to pol uh, U.S. politicians for the firing of the Ukraine ambassador. Okay, so the U.S. ambassador to Ukraine. Uh, Giuliani, who is uh, Trump's personal attorney, he's actually not part of the government. He's what Michael Cohen was before Michael Cohen threw Trump under the bus and went to prison. Tr Giuliani also has an extremely big mouth. Um, and he's very clumsy. I can't, I either, he is getting really old. Or he wasn't much of an attorney because he's just very clumsy with his language. Um, and he's being encouraged to talk to Ukraine about this Biden investigation. Now, in itself, that's not really impeachable. And Ukraine can or can't do it. The Ukraine said they'd already do it because uh Vizhensky or whatever his name is, Zizhevsky or whatever his name is, said he would actually do it simply because he's tired of the corruption over there. But that's not really impeachable. That'd be, hey, you know, could you do this? And them saying yes or no. They're not holding anything. It's not illegal, but it, it doesn't look good. And then finally, oh my God, you can tell this guy is an accountant and not a... Um, politician Mick Mulvaney the director of office management office of but management and budget just gave the Democrats reason to keep this crap show going um, listen to this the guy basically just said oh yeah this is a quid pro quo and we do it all the time uh, impound budget control impoundment act of 1974 says if congress s appropriates money you have to spend it okay at least that's how it's interpreted by some folks and we knew that that money either had to go out the door by the end of september or we had to have a really really good reason not to do it and that was the legality of the issue but to be clear what you just described is a quid pro quo it is funding will not flow unless the investigation into the into the democratic server 
uh, happen as well. We, we do we do that all the time with foreign policy. We were holding up money at the same time for uh, what was it? The Northern Triangle com countries. We were holding up aid at the Northern Triangle countries so that they uh, so that they would change their policies on immigration. No, dude. Damn. No. 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 This is not a quid pro quo, Mick. This is not a quid pro quo. This is a new negotiation. And you can hear him stumbling along. He really was just, oh, so it is a quid pro quo. Yeah, we do it all the time. Uh, no. You don't do it all the time. You negotiate all the time. A quid pro quo says you do this for me or I'm not going to do this for you. Sitting back and saying until you guys... Uh, fix your policy. We're not giving you money because it's not our best interest. It's much different than, hey, Joe, check out Joe Biden and figure out because he's my uh, uh, he's my uh, competition for the next presidential election and I need information, dirt on him. That That's a big difference. Big difference. Oh, my God. You can tell this guy's an accountant. He's probably thinking about how many places he can calculate from the pie algorithm. Anyway, of course, anyone who listens to the press conference knows this. That's not what the guy... The guy didn't mean it was a quid pro quo. It means we negotiate this all the time. But Democrats just don't care. And I think it's really funny. You've got Clinton and Obama and all those people. They're worried about quid pro quos. That's all they ever did was quid pro quos. But Democrats just don't care. This is more, quote, proof, end quote, that Trump is guilty. I, I got to tell you, this whole thing is just a biggest waste, the biggest waste of time. When they started doing this crap a month and a half ago, I told you I didn't care. When I did, when I talked about it again, maybe three weeks later, I didn't care. And it's been a, probably three weeks after that. I still don't care. This is just so stupid. <sighs> okay, so let's go to something that's a lot more calm and let's deal with Syria. Yeah. Syria, believe it or not, is a lot more complex than this uh, impeachment thing. It's going to take me a little bit longer to unwrap it. And one of the things I want to be very clear about is that it took me a good two weeks to figure out what the heck was going on. It is really a complicated situation. So let's talk about, you know, the whole what's going on and the reasons on both sides. And I won't lie, I'm still not sure. I, I've listened to a lot of things. A lot of things make sense. A lot of things don't make sense. I'm kind of on the uh, poll on this one. I think anybody can push me from either side and I'd fall. Um, this the whole thing started two weeks ago. Um, and the idea was Trump wanted to remove 50 Special Forces troops from northern Syria. Now, at the time, these troops uh, were these troops were there to work with both the Kurds and the Turks from Turkey, the Turkey. Uh, right now, Syria uh, Kurd refugees are in northern Syria. Uh, they are uh, the troops were there just to make sure the Turks did not start killing off the Kurds. The Kurds and Turkey and the Kurds have been at extreme odds with each other, and it's been like that for a very long time. Trump basically came up with this decision right off the bat, announced it via tweet the next morning, and away we went with the controversy. 
But uh, Trump had, you know, Trump had pretty good reasons for wanting to do this. Uh, that doesn't necessarily make it the right reason. doesn't make it right, but he had pretty good reason to do this. Let's listen to Trump's reasoning. This came out last week. I will tell you, the hardest thing I have to do, by far, much harder than the witch hunt, is signing letters to parents of soldiers that have been killed. And it's not only that, in areas where there's not a lot of upside, if there's any upside at all, and in many cases, there's only downside. And especially when that soldier was killed in a blue-on-green attack. You know what that is, right? That's where a soldier being trained or whatever turns his gun on an American soldier. Here, son, take your gun. You know how to use it. And he takes the gun and he turns it and he shoots one. We have many of them in Afghanistan, in particular in Afghanistan. The hardest thing I have to do is signing those letters. That's the hardest thing I have to do. And I got to tell you, that's one of the things that is very powerful about Trump. Uh, a lot of a lot of the Trumpers, they, they actually like him because he is a guy who cares about people. He, he cares about the country. And you and he's right. Everything he said, for the most part, is right in that statement. We are, we're not really fighting war. Well, it's not completely right. We're not really fighting a war here. We're just there. 50 troops is not exactly a 10,000. And we are in different spots of the world, but in those spots... Americans aren't actually getting killed. So it is, he is he is kind of right there. Um he's also right that there doesn't seem to be a lot of conclusion to these wars. But we're going to get we're going to get into this a little bit later. Um but this move not not popular, not popular at all. I mean, we've been around that area for 20 years now. You think we'd be tired of it, but no, it's not. It's not popular with the Democrats, which is not a shock, because if Trump says white, they're going to say black. So that's not really a shock. But what is a bit of a surprise is that his own staunch supporters, like Lindsey Graham, is against this pullout. Listen to what Lindsey Graham said during one of his uh, uh, news interviews. I expect the American president to do what's in our national security interest. Mm -hmm. It's never in our national security interest to abandon an ally who's helped us fight ISIS. It's never in our national security interest to create conditions for the reemergence of ISIS. You got to give it to Lindsay. At least he is, he sticks by his guns, no matter who he's got to fight. And yeah, uh, some of his argument is a pretty good argument. I'm going to repeat a couple of things here, and I know I am, but... We're not talking, this was 10,000 troops. This was literally 50, about 50 troops, uh, 50 special forces who would actually patrol with the Kurds and with the Turks. And the idea was neither the Kurds nor the Turks were going to shoot at each other if they were Americans. The Kurds do not want to kill Americans and the Turks do not want to kill Americans. Now, understand something here. This is not because they love Americans. Let's be careful here. Two things can be true at once. These guys are all getting something out of it. 
The Kurds are getting protection, and the Kurds are getting American weaponry. And they're getting American training. The Turks are a NATO ally, and they are getting weapons from the United States. All right, so there's a reason why they don't want to kill Americans. But again, the Turks and the Kurds hate each other, and they always have. The Kurds are not a fundamentalist Islamic society. The women fight. Okay? The women do fight. The Turks are a fundamental Islamist society run by a brutal dictator, uh, Erzawan. Oh, I got to look up his name. Um, uh, I'll find his name a little bit later. But his last name's Erzawan. I want to say it's Ravna. Erzawan or whatever it happens to be. Uh, Recep Erzawan. Excuse me. Recep. I don't know how to... Reception, I guess, but Recep Erzawan. He's a brutal dictator. He has arrested and killed hundreds of thousands since a coup attempt a few years ago. He is just not a very good human being. Okay. What are we getting out of this whole thing? Well, Turkey does support us in the Middle East. Turkey did allow us to use their military bases, or their air bases during the Iraq and Afghani war. So they have helped us in the past. And what are the Kurds doing for us? They were fighting ISIS, and right now they're actually holding, standing guard on ISIS. They're taking care of ISIS for us. So there are some things here. You probably don't want uh, one country to ethnically cleanse a group of people that are holding back your worst enemies. I, I'm just saying that could be it. But here's the thing. The Turks say they're terrorists. The Turks say the Kurds are terrorists. And the United States are the allies. Two things can be right at once. We can be allies to terrorists. Yeah, we're, we're going to talk about that a little bit later when we get to the end of this. Well, while the troops were involved, there was there was no fighting between the Kurds and the uh, troops, the Kurds and the Turks. That's great. That's because neither side wanted to tick off the United States. When the United States pulled out, the very next day, Turkey attacked the Kurds. It was reported, and we got to put quotes around "reported" because no one's really sure about these reports. It was reported that a hundred Kurdish fighters were killed and a couple of dozen civilians were killed. But again, none of that was actually confirmed. Turkey even said that that was overinflated reports. There weren't that many killed. We just, you just don't know. Trump became annoyed with uh, Erdogan because of this little problem and he sent him a letter. Uh, let's let's read this letter to you. This is this is this is just primo trunk Trump. So here Trump says, quote, "Dear Mr. President, let's work out a good deal." exclamation point. You don't want to be responsible for slaughtering thousands of people and I don't want to be responsible for destroying your Tur the Turkish economy and I will. I've already given you a little sample with respect to Pastor Brunson. If you don't know who Pastor Brunson is, he was jailed by Turkey uh, for being a Christian. 
and Trump actually put uh, economic pressure, and they finally released him after about, I think it was six months to a year. I quote, continuing on, I've worked hard to solve some of your problems. Don't let the world down. You can make a great deal. General Mazum, I don't know who that is, is willing to negotiate with you, and he will be willing to make concessions that they would never have made in the past. I am confidently enclosing a copy of his letter. Confidentially enclosing a copy of his letter just received. History will look upon you favorably if you get this done the right and humane way. It will look upon you forever as the devil if good things don't happen. Don't be a tough guy. Don't be a fool. I'll call you later. Sincerely, President Trump. That is quality primo Trump. I mean, don't be a tough guy. Let's make a deal. Oh, my Lord. That is just absolutely awesome. Um, of course, the media can't see this as a positive thing. They won't report if something positive happened or anything like that. Even the conservative outlets basically said that uh, uh, Erdogan got this letter and uh, threw it in the uh, cylinder uh, file cabinet. Um, but And they were right. Erdogan was so dismissive of the Trump that he agreed to a ceasefire two days later. Yeah, uh, our media is so stupid. Me, you know, here's something. Trump is not very, you can't really understand what he's saying, and he's kind of out there, and he's really clumsy with his language. But is it possible, just possible, he may possibly know what he's doing? Or maybe he's getting information we don't have, including Lindsey Graham or CNN or MSNBC? I don't know. I don't know. But there was a ceasefire two days later. Not a lot of people covered it. In fact, one news outlet made up a story about the fighting between uh, fighting between uh, the Kurds and the Turks. They sat back and said that the Turks had just gone out and made a full-scale offensive, basically making a Trump look decision look worse. And then they showed a they showed the background on a desert just on fire, blowing up and everything. And then it was found out that wasn't Syria. That was actually a gun range in Kentucky that caught fire and ammunition blew up. Oops. Uh, leave it to the media. They never make mistakes in the other way. They always make them in our way. So far, the ceasefire seems to be working. Uh, knock on wood. Knock on wood. There have been skirmishes, but they seem to be outside of any type of military operation. And Erdogan said, no, 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 we didn't, we didn't do this. And the Kurds are saying, no, 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 we didn't do that. Someone did something, but it, apparently it's not that bad. So here, let's, let's review now. There's, there are reasons why Washington does not want to pull out of Syria. Let's go over those reasons. First, we're abandoning our allies, the Kurds. Who will trust the United States if we abandon these people? Okay, here's the thing with that whole argument. There are no treaties with the Kurds. There's no plan on what's going to happen in this entire mess. There's no means to an end here. 
That's one of Trump's arguments here, and it's a darn good argument. We're just going to keep military troops in there? For how long? For eight, We've been in Iraq and Afghanistan for 18 years. The second point, ISIS will regenerate and so will terrorism. I agree with this 100%. I think this one's going to be a tough one to argue. Uh, ISIS is being held by the Kurds. As the Turks approach the Kurds, the Kurds are only going to worry about their lives. They don't, they're not going to care about, the, uh, about terrorism. They're just going to take off and then let ISIS do whatever ISIS does. It's already been reported about 500 ISIS fighters have already escaped, though no one is completely clear if that's the truth or not. Okay, so got to be kind of careful with that one. Uh, but yes, I think that's a distinct possibility. And the only thing we can really hope, well, how many have we actually killed? ISIS, if you get 500 fighters that leave the jails, they get out. Um, ISIS will grow again and they will be a threat again. So, yes, that's a very valid argument. It's very scary. Bad actors will begin to fill out the region. Bad actors, which means other countries like Russia and Iran, possibly North Korea will start dealing in some of this. No, they won't. They're too weak. But, And then you still got Bashard, right? You got unstable instability. Um, this is true, but there's another way to look at it. The United, uh, Russia was in Afghanistan for 10 years, 15 years. Was it 20 years? I don't know. They were in Afghanistan a really long time and it almost decimated their economy. All right. If Iran is too busy dealing with Syria, dealing with, uh, wherever, then they won't be busy with us. The only problem I see here is, yes, you're giving the enemies a foothold. But the enemies have already been dealing with a foothold. You've got Russia who is dealing with a... Uh, uh, Russia is dealing with the problem in Venezuela. Russia is now in Syria. Russia is working with Iran in certain areas. Russia has the economy of Italy. This is a this is really spreading yourself kind of thin here. And Russia did this in the past with Afghanistan. Let them do it here. Russia's not going to be a threat if they're too busy worrying. And believe, they're going to pull out. Russia is not going to stay in Syria. The territory is just not that important to them. The area I'm concerned about is Israel. Israel, I think you got to worry about. I think that's one of the areas... If we have a foothold in the in a couple of areas in the Middle East, like we did in Syria, like we did in Iraq, like we do in Afghanistan, um, it, the the uh, Strait of Hormuz, we we have that that presence. We keep Iran at bay, and we keep Israel a little bit safer. Now, I don't put as much into that, only because Israel can fight. I mean, you got to remember during the Six Day War. Israel kicked the garbage out of like nine other countries and it took them six days to do it. So Israel can pretty much take care of themselves. Um, now, here are some of Trump's arguments here. The United States is, is tiring of these endless wars and they're getting tired of American troops being killed. 
This is true. This is also a very good argument. But here's the problem. We didn't have 15,000 troops there. We were talking a couple of hundred. Now, we do have 10,000 troops in the area, but they're kind of spread around. I mean, we've got troops in Bahrain and Saudi Arabia. Those are relatively, those are safe areas for the United States. We got some in Kuwait. I would love to work in Bahrain. Uh, United Arab Emirates. Yes, it's away from the United States, but this is this. These troops are, yeah. They're not in the middle of Syria. There are fifty of them. Is our fifty troops, who by the way want to be there? I mean, they do want to be there. Is is fifty troops not worth the risk? I I, I don't know. That's a tough. And I'm asking. That's a tough question. Uh, the U.S. has no treaties promising anything to anybody. The U.S. shouldn't be policing the world. That is correct. I have a hard time arguing that. I've always believed that. I always thought we stuck our nose in things that we shouldn't. I think it's a waste. It's not our job to worry about this. And that leads to his next point. The other country, other countries in the world aren't putting anything into any of this stuff. That's also correct. Why are we the ones worried about the Middle East? Germany wants to deal with Iran and all these other countries. Let them deal with it. Let them pay for it. Same with Ukraine. Germany's not doing a thing for anybody. Our allies are not necessarily good people, and the bad people may already be our allies. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. The Kurds are allies by proxy. They're just, they're there. They were helping us. That does not mean they're all good people. There is a terrorist ring to the Kurds, and there's a communist ring to the Kurds. Okay, so they are not pure as the driven snow. Whereas we already know Turkey's not pure as the driven snow, but Turkey is a a legitimate ally. We can have allies that are bad people. We have one in Saudi Arabia. Arabia. That's just how it works in politics. There is no means to an end. And this is the real story here. This is where I completely agree. Where is the end goal? Where's the end goal? Where was the end goal in Afghanistan? Are they better now than they were 20 years ago? No, I say they're pretty much the same. What about Iraq? Iraq is completely lost. They had ISIS almost took them over again. They're not better than they were under Saddam Hussein. Some argue. I would argue Saddam Hussein was better there. What about what happens if Bashar is overthrown in Syria? Are they going to be better off? Were they better off when Libya, when Muammar Gaddafi was overthrown? Not at all. There were no plans when the end would come. No one knows what's going to happen when Bashar leaves. You got to have a plan. Does that mean once Syria overturns, they go through another civil war because they have factions fighting for each other to have power? We're going to have to sit in Syria for another 20 years to deal with it? Like we did in Afghanistan? Come on. Come on. That is the biggest argument. So what do I think? I think it's a. I, I think everything that Trump is doing is absolutely correct. I think... No, no, no. I'm sorry. No, I don't think everything he's doing is absolutely correct. I think his ideas are absolutely correct. Here's the thing. 
I was listening to a podcast. I think it was on the Andrew Clavin show from the Daily Wire. He had on a military guy from um, the Bush administration. And he started explaining the different sects of the Kurds. And one of the things Trump said was, you know something? You don't know these people like I do. These, some of these are bad people. I think he was probably right. I think he probably knows some things that we don't, we're not being told or we don't know. And all of those other things make absolute sense. I, to- I totally agree with that. I-, I agree with that. So I understand where he's coming from. Now, I said he wasn't absolutely correct. I think he should have kept the, fifth, the, the, the small force in, in northern Syria. I think he should have. And then I think he should have given the Kurds and the Turks a little bit of a a warning shot before he just decides to pull everyone out. He should have gone to the the Kurds and said, okay, now, hey, you've got six months. We've got to move these guys out. We've got other things to do. We shouldn't be here this long. All right. And then figure out other ways to deal with what are you going to do with ISIS? How are you going to assure that uh, the Kurds are protected from uh, the Turks? And what are you going to negotiate the Turks so that they won't attack? Let's understand something. The Tur- the Kurds are kind of like the Palestinians. They're a people without a land. And that's really what they want. They want part of northern Syria to become their country. And likewise, the Turks, they really want a sliver of buffer land between Turkey and mainland Syria. So they want about 20 miles of buffer between. That's something that should have been negotiated instead of everyone starting to fight each other. So I think it, it, I think it's a very it's a very tricky, tricky, tricky situation. But we're going to have to see how it pans out. Now I know you're you're I'm going over the Dave rule and but you know what this is worth it. Um, if you have like two year olds in the car, you may want to turn this off. But uh, this uh, you know there are some things you can do with toothpaste, right? Lots of things you could do with toothpaste. First, for example, you can brush your teeth, right? It's actually really good for your teeth, and it's, toothpaste is actually believe it or not good for grout. It will really if you get the kind of gritty toothpaste, it'll it'll rub your grout? Well, apparently women have been using toothpaste for something that I've never heard about. Um, tightening their vaginas. That's right. According to the New York Post, uh, well, <laughs> this isn't the only one that says this, but according to New York Post, um, women have been using toothpaste to tighten their vaginas to create the perfect vagina. Uh, apparently, doctors are saying, yeah, no, that's probably not something to do. Let's listen to this. Um, I, this is from uh, Vanessa Mackey, a consultant gynecologist and spokesperson for the Royal College in Obstet- Obstetricians and Gynecologists. She she said, I, yeah, that's a Royal College of, Obst- of OBs and Gynos. Okay, let's go there. Uh, it is a myth that toothpaste will tighten the vagina. Putting toothpaste in the vagina or on the vulva 
I've been married 20 years. I don't even know what she's talking about there. Would not only be uncomfortable, but it could also cause serious damage and disrupt the natural flora of the vagina, leading to the potential for infections like bacterial vaginosis and thrush. I, I didn't know any of that. I did not know the vagina had a floral flora. I mean, I pretty much knew sticking freaking, uh, I, I think putting soap there half the time is a bad idea, much less toothpaste. I, and I don't have a vagina, but hey, apparently that's a thing. So I, I don't know. I thought that would be awesome to end this. And I was going to, and of course the article goes on about um, being body shamed because I guess you can have too loose a vagina and it takes too long to for Kegel exercises. That's where I, well, use your imagination. I'm sure anyone listening to this knows what a Kegel exercise is, they, but they try and strengthen the thingies there. And I, I just, I, I, and then, oh my God. Yeah, no, this, I tell you what, I, I can't even go what this thing, the New York, I love the New York Post. It's like a conservative newspaper in New York, which is just incredible. Um, but I mean, they start discussing other exercises that you can do. Um, some of them involve your fingers. So I, I don't want to, oh man, I need a shower now. Anyway, I hope you guys had a great night. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at runninfool, R-U-N-N-I-N-F-E-W-L. All the links, all the full videos that I presented here, including the one about, I mean, if you're into it, you can read about how to tighten your stuff there. That's in there. Um, are located at www.dumbassestalkingpolitics.com. You can listen to or download this podcast on Apple Podcast, Podbean, Podcast Addict, and YouTube. Please rate, subscribe, and comment. I will answer them. This is Gene. Hope you have a great night. And this is Dumbasses Talking Politics.